What's up, folks? Welcome back to Emerging Evolution. We got a tough one today. Yeah, we do. It's the numbing trap. Woo! It's gonna get deep. It's gonna get uncomfortably personal. Maybe kind of gritty. Definitely. Very real. I'm giving you your trigger warnings now. Word. Just because it's that's what it takes to get there. So, I am one of your co-hosts. I am Rowdy the Inclusive Activist. And I am Calvin the Draped Maniac. And like I said, today... The topic is numbing. Numbing is one of the more popular podcasts that I did in the past. People were really interested in it. Uh, got a lot of downloads. Today we're going to talk about what is it to numb? What does it mean to numb? What is numbing? Why do we numb? What's the drive to numb? Uh, we're going to talk about the discipline to avoid numbing. Yes. Like how do you how do you just feel stuff when you don't want to? And we'll also talk about what's the difference between a break and a rest. And then a numb. Right. Because that's complicated. And kind of the motives yeah. behind. Like, what drives you? Yeah. Like, what's one? Checking those it's motives. It's spirit. Yeah, yep. And then we're going to talk about wholehearted living, which is what it means to live without numbing, which yeah. is like one of those things that I feel like I'm trying to step more into. It feels good. It feels good, but it's hard. It man. is hard. When you don't want it. I got to be awake all the time. I got to be conscious. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, but man, there's beauty. Yeah, I know. I the know. breeze, you're like, oh, the breeze. I, you, you feel life. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's tough. That's beautiful, too. It is. Like, some of it's just being in the suffering, and some of it's like being in the joy when it's there. Yeah. So what is numbing? How, how would you, like, when I characterize numbing, I'd say it's anything that checks you out of the moment. Mm -hmm. It's it's a distraction from thoughts or feelings you don't want to feel. Yeah, I, for me, when I think of numbing, I think of it's when I become the zombie. Yeah. It's when I become sort of a, a mindless beast mm -hmm. that is feeling good based upon what I'm doing, but I'm not really being intentional or thinking about what I'm doing to make myself feeling good. I'm just I'm a zombie getting my corpse. You're just my bite. Doing. Yeah. You're not relishing. No. There's not mindfulness related with it. Yeah. It feels on a, a carnal level good. Yeah. But there's something sometimes inside of me that'd be like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Sometimes even stop, but mm -hmm. my numbing zombie just keeps going. And the other thing I think that makes it numbing, and another trigger to tell if it is numbing or not, is it's not satisfying. Right. It doesn't fulfill. You're right. like you're like you're chasing. It's always a chasing. It's a never obtaining. Well, it, it, it it's an insatiable appetite, right? Mm -hmm. And and not in a sense of like, hey, that was a great meal. No, I just ate that bag of chips, and I ate a whole damn bag, and I still want more. Yeah. Even though, in my mind, this tastes good, but I'm not satisfied. Yeah. 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 So we'll get into it. Like, we'll give you some examples of it, because we're going to be very open and honest with our numbing. So, the drive to numb. Uh, in interpersonal communication, we have a great saying. Uh, when you bury your feelings, you bury them alive. Mm. 
mm. and they're going to come back for you when you do not want them. Some pet cemeteries. It is. It's very true. I mean, they, <laughs> you got to deal with it. Yeah. The only way that you can actually really confront your feelings is acceptance. Mm. They say if you vent, like if you talk about your feelings too much, sometimes you just start throwing extra wood on the fire and the fire gets out of control. Uh, if you try to suppress the fire, I mean, you would think that works, but it doesn't. Like, those coals keep burning, right? The second they hit a second of oxygen, boom, the fire's back to life, right? The only thing you can really do is be like, I'm feeling this thing and I'm having this day in this moment. Mm. And, and that's the challenge. It seems simple, but doing it is much more difficult. I think that is a powerful thing, this idea of acknowledging, like, I'm feeling fucked up. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling lost. Yeah. I'm feeling vulnerable. Or deeper than that, I don't feel worthy. I feel yeah. ugly. It's I always feel like a worthy. Fat. Yeah. I feel scared. I feel like not smart enough. Not worth it. Yeah. Or like this is gonna happen. It is really a lot about control. Mm -hmm. And you know, we'll go into this sort of wounded inner child mm -hmm. and that little inner being that doesn't feel whatever. You know, or this false sense of supremacy, this false sense of, this inflated Bravado. sense of worth, right? Yeah. This inflated sense of, like, accomplishment, man. Yeah. This delusion, you know, um, it's learning to really, like, sit down with that being and, like, help me understand and talk with it. Not try to immediately change it or whatnot, but to just be with it. Mm -hmm. And really look at the ugly, like, naked truth in the mirror of it, right? Well, and, and one of the things that we want to take on right away is both Calvin and I come from backgrounds where people have abused alcohol and substances, and one of the things we luckily chose for whatever reason, like I, I remember what it was for me, like my parents were crazy, high, like fucked up in the house, and I remember I was under this bush with my dog Charlie. I mean, that's such a funny-ass name for a dog. <laughs> it's Charlie. It's a great name. <laughs> it is, right? Name. Me and Charlie, right? And so I had seen some really disturbing patterns, and I made Charlie three promises. The one I broke pretty quick. The first one was, like, I wasn't going to have sex because I'd seen people abuse sex, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to have sex. And the other one was, I'm never going to drink or do drugs, and I've been able to keep that one. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny because I'm pretty sure, Calvin, if I'm going to be honest, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a I'm an addict. Mm -hmm. I just probably never tried. Yeah, cuz I'm a very addictive person. Yeah, you got that personality in I you, do. Right? Yeah, and I know I do. So I try to addict myself to good stuff, but I got to be careful. Like I addicted myself to working out, but sometimes oh, we all have hands. an addiction. Yeah, yeah go yeah. ahead, bro. Yeah. And then the other one was that I that I promised I'd never be with someone unless I loved them. And so I was able to keep two of those really crucial promises at like 3 or 5 years old. But that was transformative for me because like there, I can't tell you the amount of pain and suffering that I've probably avoided in keeping that promise to Charlie. Cause Man. I was just scared. Like, and it wasn't from any noble, <laughs> like I was just straight up you scared. You were surviving, man. Yeah, well, and, I, and thankfully I was able to break a pattern. But some of that stuff has been hard for me too because um, thankfully uh, with my partner, Michelle, she is like, I have a hard time when people are in an altered state around me because I don't trust people in altered mm -hmm. states, right? And how can you only situationally trust a partner, like someone that you really love? Mm -hmm. So when I told Michelle, like, look, I have this problem and this thing is an issue for me, it's like mm -hmm. really difficult. She was somebody that was willing to say, look, that's not one of those things that's honestly that important to me. 
And if that messes with an us, like, I just won't do those things. Like, I don't have that problem. That's cool. Like, I was lucky. Because it's hard. Because on face value, it looks like control. Right? And I was like, yeah, I'm not telling you what to do. Right. I'm telling you where I'm at. And right. what you're probably going to have to deal with from me. Yeah. That's part of me that I'm going to be working on. But it's going to be hard. Because I got that junk. I think that's powerful that even in... That was a... I mean, we're jumping to the last piece to avoid numbing. Instead of just going through the motions of a relationship, yeah, you know, like getting an emotional fix and whatnot, but to be that kind of transparent and honest in the yeah. beginning, man, that's powerful. I was lucky. Well, I, I mean, but also intentional too, Rowdy. Yeah. Real intentional that, you know, you were blessed that she was open mm -hmm. and like, yo, like that's not a problem, you mm -hmm. know, that was cool for her. Yeah. Um, for me, like Rowdy was saying, also. This idea of growing up in a family and around people and different places where people abuse substances and you know when they got out of their their human capacity to reason they become very unreasonable yeah and dangerous yeah you know I, I personally have never struggled with any kind of substance abuse mm -hmm. if you will my strongest drink when my homies were doing all kind of stuff was Pepsi yeah you know and I just didn't use substances Partially was because, like with you, the trauma I had around it. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was a little kid going with a, a family member who was babysitting me, going to houses where, you know, they would get heroin that they would shoot between their toes. Yeah. And in these kind of houses where people were just junkies, man, bad. Yeah. Like junkies out there, bad. You know, there was a dead body in there once and it was stinking. Yeah. Some people shot up the spot once. I was sexually abused a lot in those spaces. Yeah. You know, and it just what I saw around that world and I'm not saying I know there are other people out there that you know feel like well hey are you demonizing all this use and whatnot there's people that can use this stuff mm -hmm. and do things and they're okay yeah my experience around this was hell yeah and so in surviving that hell I feel like I have a responsibility to build heavens mm -hmm. but if I'm gonna be intentional and mindful about building those heavens I really have to be disciplined on how I know Mm -hmm. I have to look at how I try to check out a reality because reality hurts. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've been hurt by reality. I've hurt people's realities. Yeah. Uh, I've been a part of the hurt in reality, but I've been hurt a lot by reality. And so I know that has set me up to numb, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when I was younger and struggled with it into adulthood, a lot of numbing was for me was masturbation, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to like take control over something and feel a certain way with my body mm -hmm. and then you know feeling shame with it yeah feeling a lot of guilt with it feeling a lot of you know in a previous podcast we we're talking about objectification mm -hmm. you know like feeling like the reason why i i got off that way was through the objectification of women mm -hmm. and you know that learning and, and then it was just this temporary zombie feeling a numb yeah that just escaped you know something and that I had control over yeah and that, that was such a lie yeah and, and I have to check myself because I I feel that like a junkie that like an addict that creep up on me from mm -hmm. time to time I want to escape that way you know yeah. and I have to be in constant conversation with my partner about needs and mm -hmm. what what's going on in our lives and that's and, hard yeah because you know, like yeah nobody owes anybody anything no no yeah. but then this idea about really being honest mm -hmm. you know and and sometimes when you're honest 
you don't get what you want. Yep. And when we don't get what we want, we numb. Yeah. We want to escape because that feels shitty. Yeah. I want my way. Yeah. I want connection now. Right, right, right. I'm not feeling connection now because there's a reason we're disconnected right now. Right, right. (laughs) You know, let's work on that. So I'm going to find an alternative, right? I'm going to go find an alternative instead of the pure source. Right. Right. Really what you were hoping for anyway. Right. And it's funny because, like, when you chase it, like, I mean, you're chasing something that is just a shadow of what you really want at best. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I talk about this stuff, like, you know, for me with... uh, you know, I too, with the porn, with the masturbation thing, like serious issues, long, long time, not out of the woods either. I'm still working on some of that stuff and it's really hard because like it's such a checkout, but it's not what you're really needing. It's not right. what you're really hoping for. Uh, and then being open about those struggles with those issues, like, um, you know, like I want to take a second and really like challenge some folks with substance stuff. Yeah, man. Right, with drinking with drugs I'm not saying it's not possible because I don't know and I've never gone that path however I would also say I haven't seen really anybody that doesn't use those things and not know yo man and like the, the science unless it's yeah. healing yeah. unless it's being used in by someone who's a traditional indigenous person who's practicing something where you're getting guided through something and you're taking on some stuff. Yeah. It's real medicinal. And it's it's, it's the antithesis of what numbing would do. Exactly. Right? You are taking a substance to take on the thing that you're To look it square in the face. Yes. Yeah. Then, I don't think it is, but I haven't seen a lot of examples of people, you know, having a six pack and that not being numbing. Well, the, the science is in when people will start talking about all this stuff about a little glass of wine is good for you. Yeah. No, nah, fool, it's the grapes. Yeah, have some grape juice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get some Welches. Anyway, yeah. uh, but also, too, like, if you ate something and it caused you to throw up, have a headache, and an achy body, mm-hmm. you would say you have food poisoning, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't we call hangovers food poisoning? Yeah. Your body's rejecting the substance. Yeah. yeah. We do not call hangovers food poisoning, right? Yeah. We call it a great time. <laughs> well, we don't call hangovers a great time, but they but the time up to that, it's the price. Yeah, it's it's the price of a great time. Yes. And you know, I, we, there's industry around this. There's billions of dollars in movies, and I think to some degree this plays into the engineering of numbing, mm-hmm. so that we stay disconnected from reality. Yeah. We stay disconnected from our spirit. We stay mm-hmm. disconnected from what it is to be wholehearted, fully human mm-hmm. in the world. Because to be fully human means to feel pain. Yes. You're not always happy. You don't get to just have good feelings. Yeah, That's not man. how it works. Life like, is struggle. To feel the antithesis of good makes good feel good. Yeah. You can't have euphoria without despair. Right. Like it's part of the human experience. Like you don't get to not have despair without never experiencing euphoria. Well, on the numbing tip, I know you were talking about ways we numb, what is numb, the escape. Mm-hmm. Also, I think a big one, Rowdy, is, you know, we think we're eating healthy food a lot mm-hmm. of times. You know, we think we're consuming something that's helping us. But, you know, a lot of times it, 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 it's become escapes too. Mm-hmm. And there's so many choices, such a variety of this mm-hmm. stuff. 
it's really dulling our senses, man. Mm -hmm. And you know, we we have so much of well, just even consumption, man. Mm -hmm. So much of industry, like when you drive down the street, everything's about buying something. Oh yeah. We don't build shit. No. And I'm not talking about manufacturing. I'm talking about like we go out to the movies, we consume. Mm -hmm. We go out to a restaurant, we consume, mm -hmm. right? We go to an arcade, different places, like consume. Like yeah. everything's about, you gotta have the money to consume. And it's almost like this retail therapy we're doing mm -hmm. in the world to escape, you know, struggle versus like, as long as I got enough money, I can control this, right? Yeah. I can control this. And now, man, we can do it the push of a button with, you know, social media and things like, I don't even want to give them, we'll call it that rainforest company mm -hmm. that you can push and we'll deliver stuff with drones on your door. Now, right. Right? Yeah. That That's a numbing way. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, where we live in debt versus going out and building community, mm -hmm. going out and building relationships, you know, shifting the way we order our society the way we get our food well and it wasn't that long ago that we did we had these social systems like there was bowling night folks you know what i mean tuesday night was bowling night and you went and you did those things with those people right if you're in a bowling league like that's not exactly consumption that's community well like, think that you're doing something with people and looking forward to seeing them and it's also people outside your bubble well think about gathering enjoyment processes or activities mm -hmm. that wouldn't require money right so we could get together and sing together mm -hmm. we could get together and have a conversation mm -hmm. we could get together and run mm -hmm. we can get together and fight wrestle mm -hmm. right yeah. we can get together and create a game mm -hmm. where we didn't have to use materials right right there's a lot of ways humans could come together and create things and build things and be with each other Play. in a way to get connected yeah in a way to get a sense of satisfaction joy hell even pleasure yeah right without using some tool of consumption right and the numbing thing is uh i think we're engineered to do it yeah. You know, I see little ones now, man, looking at tablets and grocery stores. Yeah. They'll sit there and they watch other kids open toys, other kids play. Yeah. You know, instead of having a conversation, learning how to be fucking bored. Yeah. You know, we numb people. We get them, we check them out of discomfort with a device. Well, the cost of never being bored means you never have a sense of wonder. You never like ponder something like for a long period of time. You're like, what is that? Where does that come from? Why is that that thing? Yeah. You know, it's funny because like, I know people can have come up to you and they're like, where did you come up with that idea? Like, how did you, you know, hurt people, hurt people? Where does that come from? Think or about like, that shit. Yeah, you think for long periods of time. <laughs> And you just you ponder this thing for like a long time, and then yeah. you and then it gives you this insight, this ability to communicate something because you've thought about it for a while. You haven't like this stuff doesn't come from like it's not a Snapchat feature, right? <laughs> ponder right. does not work in that way. But it's also like like really looking at some of the things that like you've over addicted yourself to. And one of the things that we talked about before we got on this was the line, right? Cause like, I think emotions are numbing too. Anger is a numbing emotion. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I've numbed with anger. Yeah. As a man, so much. Yeah. And it was problematic. 
But it's funny because like, you know, you and I talk about health and stuff like that, right? People look at me and they admire me and like, I'm this pinnacle of health, right? Yeah. And then it's funny because when we do it- And they look at Calvin, they see this gut. Yeah, and they're like, it's <laughs> not healthy. Like, there's a lot of assumption with those things because right. it's not necessarily true either. Right. But Walking when I do four it- four miles a day, but got a gut. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but that, there's a process to that. It's funny because like people won't go to the gym because they think everybody at the gym looks like me. Right. I'm not inspired by people in the gym that look like me. <laughs> they go all the time. Like I'm inspired when you're at the gym yeah. and I see you going for it. I'm yeah. like, damn, that's hard, brother. <laughs> like that's pushing, that's effort. You know what I mean? Like, like there's some like willingness to transform yourself into something different that's like, and it's a fine line. Because even some of the ways I communicate those things is problematic, right? Like when I see people that are really going for who they want to become, I'm like, damn, you're putting a shovel full of dirt on old you every day. Mm. But there's some hate in that too, mm. when you look at that too, mm. right? The line and how it all works, it's really problematic. And me with health, you know, like I step in every time on negative body image and people are like, what are you doing in there? I'm like, bro, I work out a lot. Well, like a lot, a lot. Obviously there's an issue. Well, Roddy, in addiction, they talk about when you can't stop it. Yeah. That's an addiction. Right. When you can't say like, okay, I'm gonna resist this, I'm gonna walk away from this. That's, that's, it's an addiction and, and addictions can be numbing. Now, how do we find those addictions that are healthy, right? Yeah. Effective, that are yeah. good for us in the world, mm -hmm. right? I think a big thing you mentioned was about pondering earlier. Like now this is gonna seem weird y'all, but it's gonna be a quick silence thing here. Mm -hmm. now, you know, podcasts, you're used to people talking all the time. Mm -hmm. But there's a piece in a workshop I talk with people about is that when our brain is sober, when it's not altered by a substance, mm -hmm. and nobody's around us, we're all alone, the TV isn't on, no music is on, when we're just alone with ourselves, when it's completely silent, our memories whisper, mm -hmm. our worries whisper, our wishes whisper. When our mind is clear, and no one's around us, and no devices are on, all alone with self, our memories, wishes, worries, experiences, life, whispers loud. Mm -hmm. Watch. Now in the West, silence freaks people out a lot. Mm -hmm. This idea of getting quiet and people are like, well, well, are you thinking about me? Are you thinking about that? And I, I didn't say, what, what did I do wrong? They're not talking. Oh shit, oh shit. We need to get to, you know, yeah. and it's like filling the space, yeah. right? And there's that control. But also for some people when it gets really quiet, man, they think back to when they were six years old. Mm -hmm. The stuff that happened to them that's still alive in our muscle memory, mm -hmm. the body remembers, man. Mm -hmm. It starts to whisper. They start to feel this tickle in their spirit and their body. And they're like, I gotta get away from this. I gotta get away. And then what do they do? They get high. They drown it. You know, they eat. People eat a lot of times. I know I've done it because I'm freaking bored. Mm -hmm. And so Frida Kahlo said, I used to drink to drown my sorrows. Now the damn things have learned to swim. Mm -hmm. And so you talked about boredom. I know now I'll be like in a lobby or in a waiting room or in line and I'll pull out my freaking phone and just numb. Yeah. Because I don't want to be bored. I don't want to just stand there. Yeah. And some people even do that because they don't want to look lonely. They don't want to look alone. Oh, no. I feel so sad for you eating by yourself. Right. Like, what? That's yeah. great. Yeah. Why do you go to the movies by yourself? Yeah. But see, that idea of really being alone with our story, mm -hmm. 
our memory, our spirit. You know, that's, I think, leads into the discipline of avoiding numbing when we can really be alone with self. Mm-hmm. And now some people, being alone with self can become an addiction in itself. Absolutely. You know? Withdrawal is numbing. Exactly. Hiding away, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're like, well, I'm independent. I'm off I'm off the grid. Like, nah, somebody built your shoes. <laughs> Bro, you're a zombie prepper. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> like, made like your clothes. Something's, something's gone to an extreme yes. where you're looking forward to the end of humanity. Right. Somebody built your bullets in your AK-47, right? <laughs> so, like, you're not alone. Yeah. The world, you're there because somebody's labor made it so that you could be there. Yeah. And thank goodness for them. And that, waking up to those kind of realities is getting out of the numb. Getting out of the lie, right? One of the things I wanted to pick up on, like, as you were talking, because, like, when you can sit with your numbing. So with my sexual trauma, like, I avoided, actually, for a really long time, because I was afraid, because mine happened with a female. And so, and I'm heterosexual. And so I didn't really date till, like, I was, like, 16. Like, I was, like, a very, very late boomer. And then, like, with the masturbation stuff, with pornography and stuff like that, it was control because like I wanted these things but I wanted it on my terms right right and then I noticed when I was younger in my 20s I had a control pattern in my relationships right and for those of you that don't know like anybody that's trying to control you that is a seed of domestic violence that is, that is the beginning of abuse and that is not okay yes. and that's one of those things that you have to see and deal with but like that too takes withdrawal it takes a need to see where is that stuff coming from because i can't tell you calvin i wasn't on the abuse scale like i was on the abuse scale right you know i hit walls before you know like i'd hit stuff like i never hit people right and we always tell ourselves well i never hit people I'm like well does it fucking matter if you're hitting things and you're scaring them like like that's not exactly fucking better like stop patting yourself on the back that you're not a like Someone that commits domestic violence. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're hitting things enough that you scare people means you got enough of a problem. You need to work on that shit. Yeah. But like that withdrawal, that pondering, the thinking about the genesis, like where'd that come from? Why mm-hmm. is it that thing? That can give you the seeds of what your issue is oh, and man. help you with that stuff. Rowdy, I mean, you talk about my first sexual experiences when I was four years old. Okay. And it was with an older family member who was a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you see the movie Antoine Fisher, mm-hmm. that is my life, mm-hmm. literally. And so I was a lot of sexual abuse from both women and men mm-hmm. that were in my family, outside of my family, strangers, predators, all kind of stuff that happened, man, that you know, when people weren't watching and just growing up in environments that people needed to learn healthy boundaries, Hurt people, hurt people. You mentioned that these people probably hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. I think for me, a big piece was really like downloading that. And and I actually had to go to a therapist and I still go to a therapist and do some really intense work. Uh, I I did some EMDR, Mm -hmm. if you will. What's that stand for? I forget exactly what EMDR stands for. It's related, it's it's a trauma process. You tell them about it, I'll look it up. Yeah, well, it, it, it's basically this kind of stimulating both hemispheres of the brain. They could do it through tapping or these little electronic sensors you put in your hand, they call them buzzies. And it's about stimulating both hemispheres of your brain 
to kind of wake up your subconscious, to bring your subconscious memories to the forefront of your mind. And with that, basically you kind of repattern your brain. You sort of take your power back away from the pain. Mm -hmm. It stands it? for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a form of psychotherapy. It's a powerful tool. Developed in the tool. 90s. Yeah, powerful tool. You know, I, I did some EMDR work where I went into a room where I was essentially like sexually abused and it's, it's it's almost hard for me to say it because penetration means rape but rape yeah. you know by a family um, I'm actually a, a babysitter um, at a family member's house and um, and this time it was done by a male and I need to also clarify that when men rape other men it doesn't mean that they're gay it means that they're predators it's a power or, and when you know men rape children, be they boys or girls or whoever they identify, that doesn't mean that they're gay. That that means that they're pedophiles, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, we got to get this distinction out. But anyway, yeah. I with this this that happened to me, uh, I went through the process, and man, I could smell the room. Mm -hmm. uh, I could feel him. I could see the space. I was like I was laying there, and I could see the light of the window coming through. It was I was there. Yeah. Again and. It, it was, I was like, felt like I was going to throw up. Yeah. My stomach hurt. There was parts of my body that were hurting. Yeah. Uh, I was feeling it and I was able to walk through it in a way that kind of, you know, that wasn't my fault. Yeah. Um, I'm not like a disgusting being. Mm -hmm. um, you know, something isn't wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And then you know, I was able to revisit that space. And I, I, the freakiest thing is when even when I think about it now, in my mind's eye, I can see the room, but I see us like mannequins on the yeah. ground, like these objects. Like I see him, I see me, and it's like we're like mannequins, but I'm standing out on the door. Mm -hmm. I'm in myself looking in versus still being in the room, being raped, being abused, being hurt. That distance. Yeah, and the uh, EMDR. I mean, it's just shaking me now. Even just. Yeah. But I. But yeah, I, I. I'm able to talk about it, and I. In my mind, I can see the room, and I'm. I have a, a healthy distance from it. Yeah. It, it, instead of it having control over me, I've learned to manage it within myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's some deep work, and, and it's hard stuff too. Yeah. Because to being able to open that stuff, but it's funny because. I found when I'm in spaces where I talk about these things, when I talk about nonviolence in the Emerging Leaders 2 class, like I tell people about yelling and my dog's getting scared and running off. Like people disclose the same stuff. They talk about those things, right? And then in the connection to the anti-numbing that we feel in going in places, it gives people permission to feel things again. Yeah. It gives people permission to say stuff that they wouldn't say before. And it allows us to be human, because numbing is not a human experience. Well, like it's right, perfection practice. Like right now, I mean, keeping it real, I it, it for me talking, like bringing this stuff up, you know, like I'm. By the way, our first language was crying, you know. Tears are not weak. Tears was our first language. Infants have hungry cries, scared cries, hurt cries, sleepy cries, and I, I but I, I push back tears right now. Because uh, it's just like, even though I feel stronger around that, mm -hmm. I feel like clear around that, 
it just they're still in my body just uh it i was scared man i thought you know i was gonna die yeah. and uh was i gonna get out of those rooms these different times this stuff happened because it's all connected like my mind's not just thinking about when that happened mm-hmm. it's thinking about it's when that happened and then i think about will this happen you know has has this happened to my children and you know, and, and I know there's times where it did, or somebody I love, and your mind goes places, and it just, it, it fucks with you bad, man. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's wanting to numb, is wanting to escape, like like this right now. Mm-hmm. Like literally, the the frog in my throat, the, the sweating of my palms, mm-hmm. the, the shaking in my voice, it's it's this and learning to say this is who you are and you are you they may have been more forceful but you are more powerful to lean into the pain Mm -hmm. and turn the pain into power to to lean into the uncertainty and be that that person that stands on the frontier of that is uh learning to develop i think the discipline to build a strength, to tap into a power that we didn't even realize was in us. Mm-hmm. You know. Thank you. No. For like just I, I'm looking at you and your your sensitivity and your care. because uh, it's it's um my heart is really racing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But thank you. Are you okay? Okay. Yeah, sorry yeah. to touch you. Oh yeah, yeah, thank I you. Love you man. <laughs> love you too, right? Yeah. And and man. that's that's hard stuff to, to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And when when these things happen, um, people are always worried about what to do. Like, you know, you talk, people in my seat go, Well, what do I do? Right. I'm right. Like, you ain't gotta do shit. <laughs> you just listen. You look at people, you yeah. look at them in the eye, and you let them know that you're there and that you care about them. And that look you at them love with them. love. Look yeah. at them with love in your yep. eyes, man. Yep. And you don't have to do nothing. anything. Just be. There's nothing you. There's nothing I could do now that's going to fix then. Right. But if I can be here with you, if I can love you, if I can validate you, yeah. it shows you it, you're okay. Yeah. And that was a then thing. And you're of course you're in an ongoing process of healing from it. Oh, yeah. But like for the rest of my life, yeah. Thing, and, and and I'm gonna use that. And and Roddy, thank you for bringing up this piece about what people can do because a lot of times when people see someone cry or have an intense emotion, even anger, mm-hmm. you know, and they're feeling something deep, uh, a lot of times what we want is a lukewarm life. Yeah. We don't want people to be intense, right? And so if somebody's crying or freaking out, and you start to be like, oh, awkward, that's all about you. I know, and you're making it about you. That's be generous. Yeah, get out of yourself. Look at them with love. Send them a vibe, a prayer, a meditation and from your heart. But just send out the energy that I am with you. Like yeah. sympathy is standing on top of the pit, looking down and going, oh, poor you. Empathy is crawling down into the fucking pit mm-hmm. and sitting next to somebody and saying, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And so that's all you got to do is just send people that energy that I'm with you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And and if you don't know how to do it, just think it. If you don't know how to do it, just feel it. You notice with Calvin, I asked if it was okay to touch him because right. like that's a good thing to do yes. no matter yes. what's going on. Yes. But you don't have to do anything other than don't fucking cut and run. 
Right. Which is the first thing that you want to do when you're like awkward, that's numbing, a, that's get, a, get out of here. Get out of here. Or you start giving advice, you're numbing you by like yeah. telling this person like what they should do. Yeah. Don't be shooting on people when they're having a moment. Yeah. Like just be there. Like Jewish folks got a uh, practice and I don't remember the name of it, but it's just sitting with folks. Like it's part of it's like right after wake. death. Yeah. You just yeah. sit. You just shiver. Shiver. That's it. Shiver. You just sit. You yeah. don't do anything like the practices we have around death. Everybody's running around trying to get stuff mm-hmm. done or making casseroles. Just sit. Yep. Just be there. Yep. And just be with folks and validate that they're feeling that way. Yeah. But that's it, man. That's all you got to do. Like Calvin showed us exactly what to do when you're experiencing something. You just feel it. You accept that you feel that way. You don't. Wish that I mean wishing it didn't happen doesn't mean it didn't. Yeah. Like the the more comfortable you get with the fact of the reality, the easier it gets. Yeah. Like and that's a slow journey and it takes for your whole life. Yeah. Uh, when somebody talks, just listen. Like make sure they feel loved and cared about. Make sure they know that you're with them. Yeah. And that you validate them and that their experience absolutely was hard, but they're still here and you still love them. Yeah. Because when you do that, like. The need to numb just runs off and hides. Yeah. Because we were just so human, numbing just is gone. Yeah. It's got no space. Not anymore. Yeah. Like, that's how it works. And I still right now, just, you know, just, you are, closure, in my opinion, is an illusion. Mm-hmm. You learn to use stuff. Because it could be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You'll smell something, hear something, see something. Somebody moves a certain way trigger bam it's all back every experience and i don't think we ever get over stuff we learn to use it Mm -hmm. and when we learn to use it in a way that's effective and contributes to the betterment of the world that's when we get out of the Mm numbing. and that's the other side that's wholehearted living yeah and like is it hard yes is it beautiful absolutely yes it's it's both those exhilarating it's all parts of it yeah but that means you get euphoria again yeah, yeah. It also means that uh, when you experience despair, you can usually say something about it and you won't be alone in it. Right. Um, so remember those things. So today we talked about what is numbing, what does it look like, some of the different ways that it manifests, what is the drive towards numbing. We talked about uh, the discipline to try to avoid the numbing and really feel stuff. Uh, and I think um, Calvin gave us some great examples of what it feels to like really get into that shit because yeah, yeah. Uh, he was here with me in that moment I'm still y'all here. were here with us right yeah. you shared that with us yeah but then that other side of that is like being wholehearted like I mean our relationship is literally deeper right now because of this moment yeah our relationship with you is deeper here in this moment and we don't even know you yeah <laughs> it feels it feels beautiful and weird and uncertain but at the same time just all amazing all amazing just Thank you all for hearing that too. I, you know, and there's a part of me I was about to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. I'm not apologizing. Yeah. You know, that's that's the journey. And mm-hmm. for those of you that when you cry or you feel something intense, this and that, stop apologizing. Right? Yeah. Just that's your story. That's who you are, mm-hmm. and learn to use it. Yeah. So with that, I'm sure that brought up a couple different things. And if it did, and you want to talk about it, you can. Uh, do know that. <laughs> Calvin and I are not licensed therapists. No. So if you call the voicemail line at 860-576-9393, we can empathize. Mm-hmm. We will do our best not to sympathize. That happens sometimes too. Mm-hmm. 
we are fantastic listeners. Yes. <laughs> but are terrible therapists. Because people are like, what should I do? And we're like, bro, go see a therapist. Because <laughs> that's that's the path out. That's that's the only thing we can tell you. But if it cues up something or you have some thoughts or feelings around this, if you think we're way off base and that you know you can use symptoms and or you can use substances and it not be numbing, that could be true. We've not experienced that reality. Some people really quick have an allergy sugar or corn or peanuts some people's their substances it's not a, a moral issue it's a mental health and physiological issue there is an allergy to substances that exist in people but let us know that the number again is 860-576-9393 um, with that i'm going to get have calvin go ahead and give his contact information yes if you want to reach out calvin b as in boy dot terrell t-e-r-r-e-l-l at gmail.com or calvin at calvinterrell.com visit socialcentric.com that's my nonprofit, or visit just me uh, calvinterrell.com and for me you can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net and you learn more about me and the work that i do at inclusiveactivism.com and with that we just really appreciate that you sat here with us and and we're we're anti-numb in the moment with us today because th- even just hearing stuff isn't easy. So, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate you. Blessings.